This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Read the Psalms 34. Psalms 34. Again, we're still on our series, The Blessing. The main text with that is number six. And many of you have been there many times. You can go back. We're still on peace this week. Just something I want to do a little different here to start the service uh, through this epidemic that's taken place, a- as a church, as a church family, we have never had this many testing positive being exposed to it as we are right now. I mean, the list is, is massive. And this morning right now, we have several that are at the hospital, some that are literally fighting for their life right now. And so many of you in here have family members and every one of us in here have someone we, we know, we love. And so I don't know if you want to stand in proxy for someone, you can stand up, but we're sure going to pray to start today. So if you'd like to stand, you're more than welcome for family, just anybody. You're saying, we're standing. We're standing on the name of Jesus. Let's just pray, okay? Father God, we come before you today. And Lord, you said your name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals all our diseases in Psalms 103. We thank you for who you are and we come in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray over family, friends, coworkers, anybody right now that have any form of sickness, disease, anything that has been birthed because of the coronavirus that's in their body, we pray healing over them, we speak life over them, and we ask you to supernaturally move. And we thank you again today, Father God, that our prayers don't fall on deaf ears in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, clap to the Lord. I, I encourage you just to keep praying, okay? Just, just stand and believe God, and God is at work, okay? Again, as a church, we've never seen anything like this, but it doesn't mean God's not working. All right, well, again, I said we're going to begin here in, in uh, Psalms 34. I believe this is very appropriate for not only... The, the Sunday we're in today, but I think this is how we are right now as a nation, as a society, that we are in the need of a, the, the peace of God. So there's going to be several passages of Scripture today. I believe that, that these will touch your heart. If you're a good note taker, get ready. But we start in the 34th Psalm, verse number 12. Psalm 34, verse 12. Who is the man who desires life? And loves many days that he may see good. Now, I don't know if you desire that. When I read that, I thought, yeah, I I like every bit of that. I desire life. I want to love days. I want to see good. That's a desire. I want that, and I believe you probably do too. And so we read the very next verse, verse number 13, and he begins to tell us how this takes place. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit or fraud. Now, right there, he gives me a warning. You you can allow your tongue and your lips to say whatever they want. You can. I mean, we live in a country where we have a freedom of speech, but uh, speech isn't free. Okay? And when you read this right here, get this, guys. When you speak things out of your tongue toward other people or to yourself, you might as well get ready. You lose or you forfeit what he just talked about. 
Now understand, listen, especially you young ones. You can say whatever you want, but you're going to reap what you speak, okay? Whatever a man sows, you're going to reap it. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful. Verse 15 or 14. Depart from evil. Leave evil. Run from evil. And do good. Wow. So he gives us some incredible insight how me and you can walk in good days and long life right here. You got to watch your tongue and you got to do good. Turn from evil. Turn from those ugly things. And look at the end here. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. Now, just with that word seek, you know what that tells me? Peace doesn't just happen automatically. You're going to have to seek it. You're going to have to pursue it. Listen to what the Amplified says. It says, seek, inquire, crave, peace, and, and go after it. The Passion says, turn your back on every sin and make peace your life motto. Now, again, last week we got over on the definitions of shalom. Part of that is happiness. It's well-being. There's another definition I found for shalom that really stuck out to me. It has this meaning, to destroy or break off all authority that would attempt to bind you to chaos. And I don't know if there's chaos is closing in on you. Shalom. <laughs> shalom. Man, I mean, when I begin to read the, the benefits, the blessings of shalom... I said, man, I, I welcome that. I don't desire chaos in my life, and I don't believe any of us do. Now, go with me into the New Testament to the book of John, chapter 16. John 16, and as we start here, I'm going to give you little, little verses that will highlight certain areas of peace that God desires for each one of us. John 16, and in John 16, this passage is very clear that the Lord Jesus came to overcome the world. And so in this, I'm having to, to jump in here a little deeper than I'd like just for time's sake. But I start in verse 31, and this is what this is talking about. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And Jesus answered them and said, do you now believe? Do, do you now come to a place of believing? Verse 32, indeed the hour is coming, yes, it has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, his own things or his own place, and will leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. So when this talks about overcoming the world, the prophet Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah 13, 7, and this is what he said. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus, would be sent to overcome the world. The reason he highlights the world is because it is out of sync with the Lord Jesus. It's not in sync with the things that Jesus died for. Now, if it's out of sync, you know what it tells me? They don't know Jesus. They've got to know Jesus. Now, I jump to verse 33, and this is the one I really, really want you to, to highlight here. These things I have spoken to you that in me, Who's me? In the Lord Jesus, 
The only way that you can identify in Jesus that he's in me is I must be born again. When I give my heart to Jesus, I now become in sync with Jesus instead of out of sync. And oftentimes we have this thought, well, when I get my life together, when I get my act together, then I'll come to Jesus. No, you're missing it right there. You give Jesus your heart and he'll qualify you to be in sync, okay? And so he says, in me, you may have peace. So because of what the Lord Jesus did right here, he's qualified me and you to to be in peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have pressure, stress, adversity, also the meaning of a squeezing. There's a warning here. In the world, you will have tribulation. There's two kingdoms that are in operation in this verse. The kingdom of God, which takes you to peace. The kingdom of this world is going to be a world that there's going to be a continued stress and pressure. But it's interesting that Lord Jesus said, in me you may have peace. And he ends this and says, I have overcome the world. So in the midst of persecution, there is joyful peace. And it's all in the certainty of Jesus' victory. So I can walk in peace. I'm not talking about a peace on the outside. I'm talking about a peace on the inside. Where everything around you can be chaotic. But on the inside of me, there's incredible peace. And I believe this is what Jesus is desiring. And he knew in these times we live in, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be some tribulations, some stuff we're going through. But I highlight again, he said, in me you can have peace. And there's a lot of things in my life that I like. But you can't replace the peace of God. Just peace. Thank you, Lord, for peace. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to show you two passages of Scripture. One now and one here in a few minutes. And in between, I'm going to give you a nugget of truth that I believe will really walk you through your your life right now. In this passage here, the Lord Jesus is going to identify some things. And I encourage you, look, look at the mirror. Look in the mirror at your life, at your heart, okay? Nobody else but yours right now. Luke 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they, Jesus and his disciples, went. They entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And Martha had a sister called Mary. Now Martha was the oldest of them, okay? And she has this sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet. And when I said, or say that he, she sat at Jesus' feet, One translation says attentively. And she was paying attention. She was sitting at Jesus' feet. And she heard his word. Every revelation that came out of uh, of his mouth. Verse 39. Or verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
She was overoccupied and busy because of her serving. Now, as I think about the word distracted, I begin to have this thought here on the area of even when you're driving your car. And the goal while you're driving your car is, is to stay focused on everything in front of you. But we have a thing in our society now called a cell phone. And oftentimes when I'm driving behind people, it's very easy to understand or see that that person is on that cell phone. Texting. How many have ever seen, I've seen people jump a curb and I knew what they were doing. And I pull up at traffic lights and when someone's in front of me and the light turns green and they don't go, I know what they're doing. Get off your phone. So when I see the distractions that can happen to us driving a car, I believe he's given me a new warning that I, I can be very busy. And my busyness doesn't mean I'm being spiritual or holy toward God. Actually, that doesn't identify who I really am. Now, I want to highlight something with Martha. It says she was distracted or overoccupied and busy. Not bad or sinful, but still harmful. Now, if we had time, I would take you to Mark 4. This is if you're a note taker. Mark 4, verses 13 through 20. It's a thing called the parable of the sower. And he lists four types of soil. You're in one of those four types. But in, in Mark 4, 19, he says this, that one of the problems is the cares of this world. Maybe not sinful, maybe not bad, but they are time thieves, the cares of this world. And he ends this passage, and he says, and the cares of the world will choke out the word of God where it bears no fruit. And so we begin to see something here that begins to take place. Martha is very, very busy. It goes on to say, she was distracted with much serving, and she approached Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? It's not fair. It's not fair, Jesus. I'm the only one doing anything. It's not fair. Do you not care? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, I believe to a degree, Martha thinks she's a travel agent. And she's trying to sell Mary on a guilt trip is what she's trying to do. I want you to look at everything I'm doing and not what you're doing. So as I begin to read this right here, do I derive my worth and my value by the things I do? Or do I derive my worth and my value because who I am in Christ Jesus? And it becomes big in this, that I allow Jesus to identify my life. Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried or anxious and troubled or upset about many things. Now these things right here, 
They pulled the heart to distract her for what was most important. So when this happens, when I get overoccupied with serving like this, all I have left to give Jesus is my leftovers. I never come to a place where I give him my best. Now, look how he ends this in verse 42. But one thing is needed. The most important. The needful thing. And Mary has chosen that good part. Mary has chosen that good part. Now, let's go back and highlight what Mary had chosen. To sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. So anytime in my life when I don't have the word of God in me, there's going to be a lack of peace. There's going to be turmoil. So here's the question I'd ask every one of us. How's your word time right now? Do you make getting into the word a priority on a daily basis? Do you take time to sit at the feet of Jesus? Now, Mary and Martha had the same opportunities, but Mary seized the moment, and she said, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. She knew this was priority. So I begin to think about this in this sense right here. None of us in this room have to be told to eat lunch or breakfast or dinner. It becomes a habit. And maybe you only eat two meals a day, but you don't miss those. And so the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I think in these terms with what Jesus was saying, what happens to us spiritually if I go a day without being in the work? Well, I can go a day without food. It's not easy, but I can do it. But what happens when I go a week without food? What happens when I go a month? See, we won't do that. That's not going to happen. But when we think about this terms of the word of God, when I miss a day, when I miss a week, when I miss a month without being in the word of God. And so what happens oftentimes is people say, well, well, we need counseling. We need help in this area and that. Well, I'm not against counseling. But the first question we got to ask you is, how's your work time? Because if you're not going to get into the word of God, you can have counseling the rest of your life and it's not going to change you. So the question, how's your work time? And when it comes to serving, if I serve out of obligation instead of revelation, there's not going to be any joy or peace. And what I mean out of obligation, I serve out of a duty. I show up and I don't want to do it, but it's duty. But when I serve with revelation, you know what that means? I know I got a divine assignment from Jesus. And when I serve out of revelation, it's saying, Father God, I'm serving today as I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And when I do things unto the Lord, man, my servant is crazy good. I come with kingdom purpose. So I think right here, which one of these two, Mary or Martha, 
would describe your life right now. Wow. Is getting to the word priority or am I addicted to busyness? Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Now notice there the word of God was highlighted huge. I believe this with all my heart. You get into the word and God will get into you. Better stated, you feed your word on faith every day and it'll starve your doubts. I, I got to get into the Word of God. And I find out the more I'm in the Word of God, the more I walk in the peace of God. I begin to trust God. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your sights on the things of above. Yearn for those things above daily. But I'm going to have to seek it. That means you're going to have to go out. It's just not going to fall out of the sky in your lap, okay? It's got to become priority. To be priority, it's got to be discipline. Every sacrifice is based on preference. Verse 2. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of this earth. So I begin to think my, set my mind on, ooh, the eternal things. The things that will last forever. Two interesting verses there. Now jump with me. Same chapter. And I'm going to read verse 14, 15, and 16 very quickly. And then I'm going to come back to verse 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. If you notice a word there, it's the word Put. Put on love. That's a choice. How do I know that's a choice? Because this morning, you put on a pair of shoes. Those shoes didn't just walk out to your car and were laying on your floorboard and said, Whoa, there they are. No, you chose those. So he tells us right here, put on love. Verse 15, very quickly. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So three characteristics of a new creation or a new born again person. I got to have the love of God. They'll know you're my disciples by your love. Peace. And then the last one. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The middle one, verse 15. Now get ready, okay? If you're a note taker, you gotta let this one get on the inside of you, okay? And let, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God. So the function of the peace of God was to rule in my heart. So when I begin to read this, I begin to think, so is the peace of God designed to be an inside compass within every one of us? Listen what the Passion Translation says on that. Let your heart always be guided by the anointed one. So the word rule right here, let the peace of God rule in your heart. The word rule, the literal meaning is, it is to act as an umpire. 
It is to arbitrate. It is to decide. It is to, to finalize any question that's in my mind. So what happens right here is anytime there's direction in my life that I'm needing direction. How many of you right now need direction in an area of your life? Let the peace of God rule or act as the umpire in your life. Now, sometimes the lack of peace, not peace itself, but the lack of peace could be a warning that I'm going in the wrong direction. Now, let me highlight a couple things on this that I believe will help you. I can't override the umpire, okay? I can't override him because there's a thing called false peace. And false peace is based on I put my want over the peace of God. Better stated like this. I, I, I think that's okay to do that. I, I believe it'll be all right to do that because I want it to be that way. And so when that happens and I override the umpire of my peace and I do it because this is what I want, it's not very long after that till the honeymoon's over. And you realize real quick, I overrode the umpire of peace that was in my heart that was designed to lead me into the right direction. So I'm going to locate you a little bit right now. Have you ever said out of your mouth, I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it. I know I shouldn't buy that, but I'm going to go ahead and buy it. I know I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to go ahead and say that. So there's been times in my own life on these lines here that I say yes when everything in my heart is screaming no. Have you ever done that? You know what we just did? We overrode the umpire of peace. Now, I can tell you this, I've overrode the umpire of peace. There's been times in my life I didn't have peace, and I paid for that choice. You know what overriding the umpire of peace is? It's like running a red light in traffic. It's going to cost you. Pastor, have you had things cost you? I have. But I can tell you this right now, every time I've overrode the umpire of peace in my heart, after I did it, I knew I did it. I knew it. Something on the inside of me, that uneasiness, and it was like I stomped my foot and I said, Lord, I welcome that wisdom that comes from the peace of the Holy Spirit. So right now, if you've got direction or you're needing direction, whether that's school, buying a house, don't override the umpire. You've got to take time to get into the presence of the Lord and let his peace rule your heart. Here's you a better one, okay? Don't override the umpire in who you're marrying. Oh, that hurt, Pastor. I've seen this happen. Okay? God's design is to lead us by peace. Peace of God. One last passage, and I believe this will help you. Go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. 
I, I could sit up here for hours and tell you stories about the peace of God. So years ago, we'd sold our house and we'd looked and looked to buy a house. And there was a realtor in the church there in Clovis and she was showing us houses and we went to this one that was being built. And she told us the price and we were like, we can afford that. And so we kind of like a little covey of quail. We all kind of go in different parts of the house. Shelly's over here. My kids are over here. And the realtor here, we're all looking. And I'm telling you, I would start going through that house. And every time I'd go through it, I would get this uneasiness within my heart. Well, we left and man, Shelly would talk. Ooh, and we'd talk how we loved the house and everything. We'd go back about a week later. Same thing, we're oohing and on about the house. Man, I mean, this uneasiness comes working in me. So about the fourth time we go back, the lady in the church says, I, I, think, I think let's put in an offer and just see what happens. So she's up there putting everything down for us to sign. And I, I'm telling you, the umpire of peace is, I, he is knocking. It's my, if you could have seen my chest, you'd have probably seen it knocking. <laughs> And I'm looking and I'm saying, God, I, I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to disappoint Shelly. They're really wanting to buy this. I like it too, but I understand peace. And so I went in and I said, I'm not signing nothing. And they all looked and I said, I don't get a piece about this at all. Fast forward. Eight weeks later, that house's foundation began to settle. There were cracks in it this big. And you know what I said? Woo, the peace of God made this boy look like a genius. What happened, Pastor? God bought us a better house for even cheaper. And God moved to sin. I wish I could tell you I've always followed peace. I haven't. Now, how many in here right now are going through some storm in your life? Anybody going through a storm? I'm in a storm, Pastor. Okay, this is for you. Mark 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boats as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. Now, when I read this right here, I was on the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's pretty good size. And they say that there's swells that will come down right into it and cause this to happen. And so this must have been a pretty good one because the boat is filling with water. Verse number 38. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Now picture this. On the outside, all hell is breaking loose. The windstorm is coming. And Jesus is taking a nap. You know what that tells me? God's designed for me and you. I can have sweet and peaceful sleep in the middle of a storm. 
And there's some of you in here right now that the storm is keeping you up at night. You say, Pastor, that's me. It's okay to admit that. Psalms 127.2, he said, I give my beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. But Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm. And let's see what else is happening. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So you got two different types of people. Now remember, these are his disciples. Most of them had had a fishing business, and that's how they made their livelihood. So they had been on the Sea of Galilee numerous times, but this one is so bad. They're saying, Jesus, you don't even care that we're getting ready to die. So you get two people here, and this, I believe, it will identify you or me. When the storms of life come, is there peace? Or when the storms of life come, do I freak out? Do I panic? Do I start getting mad at God? How many of you have been mad at God? Don't raise your hands. How many of you have been mad at God lately? We're about to perish. Then Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. He gets up from his nap and he rebukes the wind. How did he rebuke the wind? Watch this. And he said, or he spoke to the sea, and he said to the sea, peace be still. One translation says, hush, pipe down, quiet. Now, according to Isaiah 9, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied that Jesus would be called the prince of peace. Do you know when the prince of peace is in your boat? You're still not exempt from the storms. Jesus is in the boat when this is happening. But you know what Jesus does? He begins to teach the disciples and he said, when life storms come at you, start speaking to them. Speak to them in the name of Jesus. So he says, hush, pipe down, be still. And the wind and and the ceased, and there was great calm. Wow. Incredible. Verse 40. But he said to them, to his disciples, Why are you so fearful? Why are you so afraid? And there's been times in my life where I I became so fearful of stuff that it seemed like the peace in my life just kind of moonwalked right out of my life and it was gone. I was like, I don't know what to do, Lord. Why are you so fearful? Now look how he ends, and this is going to clarify some, some, some things. How is it that you have no faith? Now you're in the boat and I'm in the boat. And when Jesus says, how is it that you have no faith? What's faith made up of? Faith is made up of the word of God. The only way I have faith, it says that faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he's dealing with the word of God in their life. Remember with Mary and Martha, he said the good thing in her life was she sits at the feet and hears my word. So he's getting back to the word of God. 
And anytime there's a lack of the word of God in my life, there's going to be a lack of peace. How do you know he's dealing with the word of God here when he says faith? Start back with me in verse 35. You got to get this right here. This is the key. Look what he says. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So the reason that Jesus could sleep in the storm, he had already told them what was going to happen. He said, let us cross over to the other side. So when he says, you got to get more faith, you know what he's telling them? you got to get into the word. And when you hear the word, believe what I tell you. And when, I believe what, when you believe what I tell you, there's going to be a peace in the middle of the storms. So you know what I say to us? Now we got to stay with the word in the middle of the storm. And when it gets rugged, man, I speak to it. And you know what I speak to it? I speak the word of God back to it. I say, uh-uh, this is what the word of God says. I can walk in peace in a turmoil society right now. I can have an inward peace when everything on the outside is erupting. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here today based off of every scripture I gave you today. If you had to give yourself a grade on pursuing peace, what type of grade do you get? And there's a lot of other things we pursue. You know, when I started dating Shelly, I pursued her heart. There's certain things we pursue. We understand that word. I got to pursue peace. I got to go after peace. I mean, I, I desire the peace of God. The next thing today is, are you out of sync with Jesus? And you're the only one that knows that. Is Jesus Lord of your life? And maybe you've been out of sync where you say, I, I need to rededicate. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.